He's just highway patrol. He's bored. He's bored. You see some people banging. You you gotta you gotta watch the apocalypse, man. They're making babies to make more people. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. This is a VHS podcast where we look at the box art, trailers, and behind the scenes. And this week's episode is brought to us by who, Brad? Brought to us by PickleballSeeker.com. For those of us who like pickleball and are seeking just a little bit more. Ooh, a little bit more. What that is, it's up to you. It's, it's, it's a mystery. Consenting adults here. Is it not being cool anymore? <laughs> must be 18 why is that for all the pedophiles who play pickleball (laughs) (laughs) just lost us another sponsor way to go oh no i'm cutting (laughs) no way that's staying in what what i'm the one who's editing this i cut Uh it okay now let's transition to chris chris what did we watch (laughs) ah this month we are watching the entire mad max series doesn't Mad Max feel like there was a cartoon made for it? Just like, doesn't it like the 80s should have made a cartoon of this, right? Oh, I bet there was Mad Max ripoff cartoons. Yeah, that's true. I would have watched it. Fuck yeah. I mean, I watched Robocop. I can't believe they made a cartoon of that, but. They made a Rambo cartoon also. It's like, yeah. kids, learn how to read, kill communists. Yeah, my mom and grandma wouldn't let me watch the Rambo one, but somehow I got the RoboCop one just snuck right in there. Not paying attention. He's a cop. That's right. He's a cop. Well, maybe, I don't know, but Rambo was a soldier, so. It didn't seem like it when you watched the movies. That's true. RoboCop was half man, half machine, all cop. All dick shooting. Now, we should talk about like our viewership because i i find this the first mad max has such an interesting appeal to especially people born in the 80s or you know like zillennials i think that's what we're called and millennials and all this it's it's an interesting the first one's really interesting so brad how how many times have you seen the 1979 mad max i think i've seen it twice but at the window between those two viewerships was probably about 25 years Mm -hmm. how about you chris I discovered it in like my early 20s. I've watched it a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. I I love the Mad Max series. Yeah. Matt, who used to do this podcast back in the day, go back in the past and listen, folks. He loved this one. He talked about it constantly. And I always just kind of, I didn't poo poo it. I was just like, yeah, I just wasn't a big fan of it. But I hadn't watched it since like 2000, early 2000s, right before I left for college. I remember like just renting all three of these and saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do for like, you know, a Sunday. And I remember watching the first one for the first time in my early 20s, and I did not appreciate this. I can tell you one thing, watching it now, I really appreciate what George Miller did. This is amazing. I think I liked it a lot in the beginning is because I I grew up watching Mad Max with my dad and stuff. So mm-hmm. seeing the, the original one, it was just totally different than what I've seen from the other two at the time. 
Yeah, and I don't I don't know if you were like this, Brad, but I watched Mad Max Road Warrior, Mad Max Two Road Warrior, way way before the original Mad Max. So that actually has a lot to do with it too. Yeah, I think I saw all these as a kid, and then there was a big, big break, like for like twenty years, and then my wife and we went and saw um, Fury Road, mm-hmm. which just keeps the whole it keeps the whole just the intensity and the urgency going the whole time, and we just loved it. We're just like fuck it, plot, who cares, right? We're just gonna drive around, blow some shit up, have flamethrowers and motorcycles jumping around, and it's just gonna be awesome. And we're gonna go home and love it. Yeah, I my I don't know about your wife, Brad, but my wife hated Fury Road. Uh, mine loved it. Mine loved it. No. Normally she wouldn't. What about you, Chris? She she uh, hates it, but she said she might watch it again with me. She didn't watch these with me. She was gonna, but she was like, I don't. M- maybe not. I was like, all right, that's cool. Just rewatch Fury Road. Yeah, and I loved it because I talked to you uh, earlier this week that you said, like, oh, my, my girlfriend said that they just drive in Fury Road. And I was like, oh, my wife said it was boring. It was too loud, boring too loud and boring because they just drive around and chase each other. And I was like, what are you talking about? 10 minutes has plot driving 10 minutes has plot driving back. This is all you need. I love it. I mean, the Academy loved it too, but we're talking about Mad Max 1979. So Brad, bring us the quick facts. Quick facts directed by Dr. George Miller screenplay by James McCausland and George Miller story by George Miller and Byron Kennedy distributed by Roadshow Film Distributors uh, release date April 12th 1979 in Australia budget of 350,000 to 400,000 dollars Australian dollars so I don't know what that relates to paper money <laughs> box office 100 million dollars a record profit at that time talk about a return on investment for a first time was george miller a first time director on this i mean going into george miller's fascinating like uh just interesting life is he studied medicine and finished his residency in sydney somewhere in the 70s so i don't know if he's officially a doctor but we're gonna call him dr george miller because that's impressive uh and then like i can't believe this 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 guy's a doctor and an Oscar winner. Like, or I mean, we're just going to call him a doctor. Close enough. We call Dr. Dre doctor. So whatever. <laughs> I, it's amazing. I, I don't get this. And he started out just going to film school because he was interested and fascinated by it. Made a few short uh, films and then made a documentary, I believe, on cinema violence. Somewhere in the mid 70s. I don't quite know when. And then somehow gets financing for Mad Max and then just makes one of the greatest B movies, Australian B movies of all time. Yeah. Talk about a Renaissance man. Yeah. He's incredible. And I think he has his own production company. What have you done with your life? (laughs) Nothing. I have a podcast. (laughs) 13 people like it. We're up. We're up two from last week. Let's keep this going here. We keep scaling that. We're going to get investors pretty soon. I see you Australian viewers. You're going to love this. Hey, man, we loved Howling 3. We love Mad Max. We're, we're the official We Love Canada and Australian podcast. We're, we're the official Americans loving Canadians and Australian slash New Zealand podcast from the Midwest. There we go. There we go. It's a long one, but we got it. All right. Uh, who's starring in this bad boy, Brad? Oh, we got Mel Gibson as Max. Rokotansky, officer in Main Force Patrol. 
Joanne Samuel is Jesse Rokotansky, Max's wife. We got Hugh Keysburn as Toe Cutter, who also plays Emotion Joe in Fury Road. Yep, yep. Leader of the Motorcycle Gang. I think Chat GPT is called the Motorcycle Game the Acolytes, and I don't remember. If, I don't know if that's true or not. Steve Bisley as Jim Goose Reigns, who is awesome, a member of the MFP's motorcycle unit, who apparently likes to crash his motorcycle quite often. That is one boost I can get behind. Roger Ward as Fred Fifi McAfee, Max's MFP captain. And was he not? He reminded me a lot of that German guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark that Indiana fights and like throws into the airplane propeller. Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah. I thought it was the same guy. And then we've got Vincent Gill as Crawford, the Knight Rider, Montezano, a member of Toe Cutter's game. Well, I think he might have been the leader and they're trying to avenge him. Oh, is that what that is? Knight Rider was the leader and then Toe Cutter took over? Toe Cutter took over and tries to avenge Knight Rider. I don't think he is the leader. I think he's he's like, uh, you know how Bobby is all crazy and they're like, he, he's never going to be Knight Rider. He's never going to be Knight Rider. Oh. When he's driving, he's like, tell uh, tell Toe Cutter he knows who I am. Oh, okay. He's yelling about Toe Cutter. So I think he's just like his right-hand man. And- yeah. And then we got some other people starring Sprog, who apparently never talks, but talks, what's her, Jesse, into getting him ice cream. So that was a nice little creative bit of editing there. And we got that dog that basically is a really not a good boy who just runs off later on when the bad guys show up. Wait, they had a dog? Yeah. Remember their dog that just ran off? The bad guys show up and he just runs off and just scurries oh, out of there. You ever right. see him yeah, again? I forgot. Yeah. Not a good boy. Bad boy. He got a better dog. <laughs> he did. Um, we'll talk about that in the that's, next movie. That's, I think that's about, that pretty much sums it up. It's such a memorable cast now that I've like really digested this. Like, I feel like Toe Cutter is, he's a very dramatic, over the top bad guy. Uh, he's so good. Yeah. And I, I feel like he is such the prototype now for a lot of these dystopian 80s, maybe, probably even 90s, 2000s. I mean, the first two Mad Max have to be the most copied B-movies of all time, right? Well, just watch anything. Watch Walking Dead, how they just combined Mad Max with Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. It's like you combine Mad Max, the urgency and just intensity with any other genre, you're going to have something good. There's a huge subgenre of just Mad Max and Star Wars ripoffs, and a lot of times mm-hmm. they just cross into each other, too. Yeah, I know. There's specifically, like, I think Ice Pirates is like a perfect mm-hmm. example of something that just crosses. Yeah, I love I love those movies. And I think it's just because I like Mad Max so much. So, uh, yeah, I just had a few more things to say about George Miller before. Because I've, I've kind of, you know, talked about George Miller in past episodes. And so if you're a longtime listener, one of you 13 who listen all the time, you'll hear this again. But, like, this guy's so versatile. I mean, he's got... All these Oscar-nominated movies that he's worked on, The Witches of Eastwick, uh, Lorenzo's Oil, Babe, Pig in the City, Happy Feet, and Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, seven films that have Oscar nominations. That's crazy. And then you have six wins for Fury Road, which we'll talk about at the end. But then, like, winning Best Picture for Happy Feet, which was, like, at the time, only the fourth non-Disney film to ever win animated best picture which blew my mind mine too because it's not good but there's a ton of fantastic disney films i'm not bashing disney of the 90s especially like after the rise but i'm just like really 
that just doesn't seem possible to me because Disney didn't have a movie every year in the 90s. Did they? Most likely. I mean, how many Disney do you own or do you find when you're going through collections? I all my Disney are in a like two boxes way out there and I don't want them. I, I've, I'm just keeping like ones I really like. I think I only kept 45. I honestly can't tell you because I was too cool to watch that sort of thing back in the 90s. Oh, so. oh, I fucking okay. bet. I fucking oh, yeah, bet yeah, you yeah. are. You're too cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. I wasn't. I fucking loved Aladdin. The trilogy of Aladdin. Watch that shit all the time in the 90s. I was watching Beastmaster and Highlander and Kroll and everything. All yeah, that but, other stuff. Yeah, you're like 50 though, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I see you got a little drink there. You're drinking a little wine. A little Boda Box. Uh, bold red here, oh. little Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, I'm sophisticated. I'll be honest. I bet Toad Cutter would drink box wine. Out of the box, though. Yeah, he wouldn't. He fucking just have a line right there, and they're like, I, "We just use that to siphon gas." Mmm, tastes great. <laughs> Which okay. So before we get into this film and everything like that, let's watch this trailer. Tomorrow, in a world gone mad. <laughs> the only law will be a renegade squad of suicidal cops. He's my prisoner, and he's not walking out that door. And the open road will be controlled by gangs of glory roaders. Max is a cop, one of the best. Where does they're out to get you? Scoot jockeys? Yeah, no man trash. Mm. Well, I'll add it to my thread collection. He was awaiting you made the news again. Charges relating mm. to the slaying of a main force patrol officer Who was he? in a road blockade accident. Just another glory roader, I guess. Toe Cutter is a glory roader, one of the most sadistic. Anything I say, anything you say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. <gasps> I want my baby. You've not got a sense of humor. Please don't hurt my baby. You've got a pretty face, though. Both want the other dead. But only one can have his way. Mad Max. You don't want to make Max mad. Because when Max gets mad, he gets evil. American International presents Mad Max, the maximum force of the future. But we got to talk about their decision, at least on my VHS here uh, from Good Times 1993. You know, the the distribution company that didn't give a shit about us. They just started shooting stuff out on bad tape. But um, I have. Yep. That's the one most people have because they just had a billion of them. Ooh, what is that one you got there? I got one from Vestron Video and one from just fucking Video Treasures, but both by Orion. Oh, so I bet the one by Vestron's really good tape and the one by Video Treasures is shit. 
that I, I have no idea the difference of any of this stuff yet. That's why I keep multiples of movies I really like. Well, my VHS surprisingly was good that so I've got mine. from Good Times. I was surprised because uh, I've got a lot of Good Times VHS and a lot of them aren't that good. But we got to talk about their decision to lay over, to get rid of, you know, like the ADR out all the Australian accents and give us just these weird whatever they're trying to do. Um, now, apparently you can now get versions, which I think this one right here, any of you listening, all of you listening, I had the Mad Max high octane uh, Blu-ray that came out after Fury Road. It's awesome. It's amazing. Now, I think that one actually has the original audio in it. But man, in 1979, they're like, no, American audiences aren't going to understand those crazy Australians. ADR it. You know, I listened to this on Tubi or watching on Tubi, and I think they had the original audio on it because it does sound like it's some weird stuff. It's hard to understand sometimes. Oh, is it? The commercials of this time, I were not, there were no HIV medication commercials. It was all reverse mortgages and stuff. So I think they're, <laughs> they're onto that. So. <laughs> You've reached that age, huh? Reached that age now. It's time to get a reverse mortgage. This is like Snoop Dogg's going to be picking, pitching this stuff here pretty soon. Like oh, He's going to be about so. that. I'd think about it then. So about the ADR, the version we watched was ADR? Because I read that too. I mean, mine didn't sound not Australian. Oh, no, mine was. I'm going to have to rewatch it then and see, because I mean, they don't sound American to me. No, the one thing I missed, because I uh, I read a fact that like Toe Cutter apparently changed his voice throughout the entire movie. He would use like different, not total accents, but different uh, just tones with his voice because he was such a good actor and he just thought someone like toe cutter would do that and george middle was just like great that's awesome and then they just like fucking run right over that for the american release they're like no adr all this shit so you see toe cutter just like acting his ass off and then it's just some american voice coming out of him. he's just like listen here well i that even that was more of an accent they did it's like listen here i know you think you're blah blah and i'm like what the fuck this is fucking awful, man. It's such a good, even though the ADR sucks on my, my VHS, the movie just stands above it. Let's, let's get into this. All right. So, uh, first note, we got to talk about the Knight Rider here. This opening chase is so much better than I remember. I, I quote it all the time or it's quoted as much as I think I am, but <laughs> I think I make it up cause he just like strings things together. Yeah, the um the whole rock and roller out of controller. That's Chris Jericho definitely used that in his ring his ring monologues from time to time in WCW and WWE. That's who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, I mean Chris Jericho is is like known for his love of horror movies and B movies and stuff, so that's perfect. Uh so here we go. I got the toe cutter pulled up. Let's uh let's watch this toe cutter here and his just crazy antics. Are you listening, bronze? I am the Night Rider. <laughs> I'm a fuel injected suicide machine. I'm a Yeah, that's great. You know, it kind of reminds me like he's like the um, high octane Billy the Kid. 
Dude, so apparently the whole motorcycle gang drove their motorcycles across Australia because they couldn't afford to ship them or fly. Oh, shit. So they just drove and like practiced being a motorcycle gang on the whole way. That's why they work really well together and they're all deranged. And I think spending a couple weeks together trying to be a motorcycle gang would definitely work. Yeah, and I can tell you what, these these stunts, this is all in-camera effects. I can't believe what they pulled off and how little money they paid these people to pull it off. Because, I mean, a lot of the complaints on this was George Miller had no idea what he's doing, which, to be honest, he probably didn't. You know, they had no money to feed people. They were paying people in beer or, like, spare change and... Like you said, haven't they couldn't even you know fly motorcycles, so they had to drive it themselves. But they pulled this off, and these stunts, these M camera effects are insane. You couldn't do this shit today. It can't be done. This movie could not be made today like this. Yeah, George Miller basically drove his car off a cliff and built that thing into an airplane before it hit the ground. <laughs> and some of the fuck ups. Now I, I love this. I love this in B movies and stuff like this. Some of the fuck ups that looked really cool on camera that they'd captured, they kept in. Now, a lot of times movies later on wouldn't do that because of the union. There's no way because it would be proof that like you didn't follow union rules. Instead, they just burn the film. Like when you get in the later eighties and the nineties, just burn the film. Yeah. Cause when toe cutter crashes, that was a mistake. It didn't work right, but they're like, it looked good. So we, we used it. Yeah. And I, I guarantee you during the late seventies here in Australia, they didn't have a union for stunt workers. Well, they gorilla shot most of it. Yeah. Because nobody would give them permits. And they said that the police were helping them on some uh, shoots. They closed down roads real quick for them because they were interested in the movie. Well, yeah, because it makes the police force look like heroes. I mean, of course they were. I mean, why not? Does it? I mean, they're just trying to shotgun toe cutter or ram him at one point. Have you seen what Toe Cutter does? He rapes people and kills them. Did, did he? We don't know what he did. Uh, that's true. Oh, man, you're a lawyer. That's what you are. He just stole a car. <laughs> you're sitting there talking to all your, your lawyer friends playing pickleball. That's what you are. I secretly love pickleball. <laughs> did we just lose lawyers and pickleballers? No. No, they're great. They're fine. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, lawyers don't have souls. They're great. As long as they have a sense of humor, who cares? That's true. Uh, yeah, the Knight Rider, the entire beginning of this, like watching this now, like as soon as Mad Max gets on the screen, I was like, oh, he's so cool. He's so cool. And he's such a baby. Mel Gibson's such a baby in this. He's the, the most handsome he's ever been in these movies. And he's supposed to, like everybody else is just ugly. And I don't know if that's why he looks better or if it's just, you know, that's just him. What blew my mind is he's 23 years old in this. Wow. Uh, apparently he got the part because when he walked in, he he did, had just gotten to a fight a couple nights before or the night before or whatever. And he looked like crap coming off. He was I guess he was in like theater and stuff. And then he got into a fight and he came in and he's like, well, I'm not going to get this part. And they're like, dude, you are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, though, um, we talked about this link last episode regarding uh, uh miami connection and it's like why can't they just put normal looking people just ugly weird looking people in movies it works uh, we appreciate that and we basically speak for a majority of americans i think 
It's because a lot of people just use these like assembly line of actor and actresses and everything. But George Miller comes back in Mad Max Fury Road and says, fuck that. I'm using whatever I want. Think about it in 10 years with all the veneer and shit. But movies are just going to look out of place. Like it, teeth veneers look weird. I don't I don't know if you notice this. This is going to be a weird couple decades going forward where I think, you know, the movie industry is going to. There's a podcast we can share with on the show notes too with Michael Schur, who's like a representative for the Writers Guild, who um, goes into this these details where venture capital and Wall Street has kind of come and take over these studios, mm-hmm. and they're demanding year-to-year profits, and it's like they don't understand this is a creative industry, and they don't want to put out anything that's not going to be successful. So you're just basically going to get generic, rote, Nickelback crap for every movie. You know, there's going to be very little variation. It's just stuff that they know, stuff that the 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 AI, the large language model says is going to be successful. That's what's going to be cranking out movies. And so we're all going to be kind of suffering for that. Maybe something will come up and give us a, a, a window of some, who knows? It's hard to predict the future. I, I would have to say, because so many of these big films have to play to international audiences, everything keeps getting watered down. So more of like general audiences can watch it like everyone. And when you get to that point, it just doesn't work. Uh, and then you're starting to see it with like Marvel films and a few others. It's just like, yeah, it's just a formula. And you're, you're just it doesn't feel inspired anymore because it's not inspired. It's just an assembly line of product. And I don't want to sit here and rip on all of Disney and whoever else the big ones come out. But it's obvious to a lot of us. It's just like a lot of these aren't visions. But luckily, turning back to Mad Max, this is a fucking vision. I have no idea where he came up with the idea, but yeah, it's gold. I wrote, I wrote his muse was kind of his, his experience as a young man. I think when he growing up in rural Queensland, Australia, which I'm not sure where, what part of the, I think that's in the North Eastern part of that country, which would be closer, kind of warmest area closer to the equator ish. And the 1973 OPEC oil crisis, the anxiety mm-hmm. that surrounded that, because before that it was like just cheap oil, fill your gas up, you know, 25 cents a gallon, and then after that, things kind of went crazy and people who were producing oil realized they could embargo that and, and kind of limit the supply and stick it to everybody else. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of anxiety surrounding that. Yeah, I think it was interesting when they came up with the story because his friend who ended up dying pretty young, um, I think it was Brian Kennedy. Yeah, when they came up with the story of just like, you know, if the industry basically just fell apart and we'd all have to fight for gas. Now this, at this point in the 1979 Mad Max, it hadn't gone full dystopian, but we're just like, everyone was getting the squeeze. So the only people who would be able to get Petro, as they say in this movie, would be, you know, uh, law enforcement or the people stealing it, which would be the motorcycle gang. I always thought that was really interesting. It's so simple. I didn't even think of it that way. I've always watched it as like a prequel to Road Warrior, I think. Well, it is a it is a prequel. I know, I know, Warrior, but it's but it's yeah. the first one. It's it's actually the start of everything. Well, in the behind the scenes of this like giant Blu-ray that I have, they mentioned that they're like, okay, so this was the start, and then the second one went into the wars over the supplies, over petro and oil and gas, and then eventually it would turn into water, but. He never got into that because he's just like, well, he does in in Fury Road, which we'll talk about later. He brings in like water would actually be 
the most important thing. But first, it was the stuff to power our old archaic vehicles. Yeah, I always explain to people like Mad Max. The first one is just like a few years mm -hmm. after shit went bad. And then what you know of Road Warrior is 10 years later. Where yeah, this is now your life. Yeah. And now that I've watched the, like the timeline of it, from what I saw, it's actually so the timeline in real life is Mad Max and then it's Mad Max Fury Road. Then it's Mad Max 2 Road Warrior and then it's Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome. And then uh, I don't know where Furiosa, the new film's going to be in the timeline, but I assume somewhere between Fury Road and Mad Max 2 Road Warrior. I know we don't say a lot of facts. Is that a fact? Uh, according to the documentary on this that I watched. Really? Huh. Yeah. I had no idea. Because there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of rumors that Fury Road was like a before. Okay. what? Or, or no, there's a lot of rumors that it was like a different Mad Max and it's not. Uh, he just hasn't quite. This was like what made him the guy who doesn't give a fuck about anything is Fury Road. And then you see Mad Max, too. But anyway, this is this is before all this. This is when Mad Max. This is when it was just Max before it was Mad Max. I was going to say something, too, about his. Uh, that explains when Fury Road, you see that his um, vehicle. That he gets. Mm -hmm. And that's why. And then they wreck it in Mad Max, too, in, in Road Warrior. And it's like, well, how do you rebuild that vehicle? And so now that explains it, why he had that vehicle in Fury Road, and then he just gets destroyed in Road Warrior. Okay. Yeah, so I think, I could be wrong, either Mad Max Fury Road is right after Road Warrior or is right before Road Warrior, because he might have just rebuilt the vehicle after, but anyway, that's for future yeah, we'll films. I'll rewatch the I'll rewatch the documentary on that part and make sure that I'm right. But it's somewhere around that it's not a different Mad Max. That's something George Miller did confirm. Because mm, other people were saying that it was the uh, the Boomerang Kid. Yep, I've heard that too. Yeah, but the Boomerang Kid actually uh, we find out in a different. Uh, we find out at the end of Mad Max Two what happens to the Boomerang Kid, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, let's get back into this film. Uh, the new car. Which does anyone have pulled up exactly what that was? I know it's some kind of like supercharger. It's the last V8. It's a specialty built supercharged V8 powered black pursuit special. Now, apparently this is a real vehicle that was manufactured in Australia and Australia only. Oh, yeah. Like, you know how the DeLorean became such a special like collectors? Well, this one was collected so hard that like you couldn't find these in Australia. Like, you just can't. I mean, even today they're worth, you know, who knows gold like an entire pile of gold blocks but you know what i also read that they didn't actually stop manufacturing this vehicle well you know this model of vehicle in australia till like 2006 but i don't know that's not confirmed that was just like something that i read on a blurb i mean that and the the pursuit cars from the cops are just they are fucking cool speaking of cool let's go into the main guy who controlled the gang here toe cutter Oh, uh, wow. One of my favorite dystopian bad guys now, because I feel like he's a better representation of like Lord Humongous in the next one, which we'll fully talk about in that one is over the top, like way over the top, you know, like a like an Arnold the Schwarzenegger bad guy. This guy feels like someone who's a, like he's tough, but he's still a little soft because he's like the leader. 
You know what I mean? Like he's a he's a little flamboyant. He's charismatic. He seems like someone who could walk into a grocery store and rob you and you wouldn't even be mad. You'd be like, well, toe cutter got me. Yeah, it was like they were a gang before this and now they've just been evolving and getting probably just more violent. Yeah, I love the whole that that opening scene when they just roll into town. The two dudes get off and start doing the waltz together. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was great. What, what what precipitated that? Why did they decide to throw that? Did they just come up with it on their own, just on like the fly? Said, or... They've been riding together for like a month. They've probably made these characters up on the ride there. So Yamaha, or I think it was Yamaha, made the motorcycles, sent it to them like a month early so that they could learn how to ride them. And then they rode it from Sydney to Melbourne or Melbourne to Sydney. They just drove across the country together, but they developed their personalities and what they were going to do. And those two dudes are great. I love them together. They do stuff throughout the whole thing. Well, and then they chase these two people who get out of town and then someone murders someone and then rapes the wife. I don't know if she was old, the girl. I don't know what she was, but, um, and then Johnny, we see him who gets picked up by Goose and Mad Max. Well, I should say just Max at this point. Uh, and then they try to put him on trial. <laughs> and I love how they're like, no one showed up, so uh, we got to let him go. There's no witnesses. And they're just like, bye, Johnny. You're too crazy to you know, like prosecute. And Goose is like, fuck that shit, like any cop would be. Like, fuck, this guy's fucking guilty. <laughs> and they're like, no, there's no evidence. What do you mean nobody showed up? And then Chris would be like, you got to have evidence for you can prosecute. Now I was like, this is the weirdest trial ever. But he's like, what do you mean nobody showed up? He's like, nobody, no, nobody in the town, not the girl, nobody. Nobody. Yeah, I guess up. they didn't sell that far enough that the girl didn't come and like press charges or anything. It was just like two throwaway lines. And that, that fight, if you're not paying attention, it's all action. Well, and this also is like another shot where you see the captain and the captain's hilarious because maybe we should talk about him after we find out about Goose. So, so Goose gets pissed. Goose like rides his motorcycle, wrecks his motorcycle, and then he's got to get like a truck to pick it up. And that's when Johnny, like in one of the greatest cuts, because I thought it was so fucking real, they show Johnny like throwing, I don't know, something like a rim or whatever at. Uh, yeah, it's like a brake caliper. Yeah. And so when I was watching this and the commentary that I had on during work, so like I watched on my TV behind me and I just listened to the commentary and George Miller's like, so he threw that and he actually struck the window. We were all shocked because we're like, we let's get this in a couple takes. You know, if you miss a few times, it's no big deal. We'll fix it in editing. And like on his second throw, he hits the fucking truck and they're like, Whoa, shit. So they had to get a new windshield for the truck, which actually was a big deal for this company, you know, because they only had so much money. And then they edited it where it goes through the window properly. But they were like, there's no way he's going to hit the window. And he smokes it. Like the, the truck's going like 20 miles an hour. He actually hits it. I think everybody is really good in this film. Like just that scene when he runs up, it's so smooth. It looks good. Like it just flows into each other. It's Here's the thing that I didn't hear them talk about on that cut. What if he would have fucking killed the driver? They didn't think about that. They ran a man's arm over for real. Like, it's, what? they're like, yeah, there's no way they'll hit it. And then he hits it. And they're like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> you can't do that anymore. They're setting yeah. off explosions right next to people. They have guys getting like hit in the head by a motorcycle, like flying, you know, after they fall off. And it's yeah. just, no one died. No one died in filming this movie. Goose Rex, and then, uh, you know, they sit there and they set him up and they burn him. Johnny burns him kind of reluctantly because, like, Toe Cutter's like, go ahead, drop the match. And then he burns him. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to kill him. I think he just wanted to torture him and fuck with him. When he's leaving the police, he's like, I know, we know who you are, Brass. We know who you are. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. I don't think Toe Cutter cared because I think Toe Cutter's like, if he dies or gets really hurt, either way, we want to send a message. I think Johnny was just like, I don't want to do this, man. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to kill him. This isn't what I wanted. Nah, like Johnny nowadays would be like some guy in his basement writing like stupid shit on Facebook. You know, like he he wouldn't actually get into the action. Back in these days, he's like, he was forced to get into the action. Uh, Once Max sees Goose is burnt, he finally quits the actual police force. And I do love how when he comes to the captain's house, the captain's shirtless watering flowers. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hate me, but there's an anime character that is 100% based off the captain. Is it off this is a North Star? No, it's a Full oh. Metal Alchemist. Oh, it's okay. the captain. Big, handsome man, big beard, super muscles, hair everywhere, and he like, really nice guy and everything mm-hmm. it's it's a hundred percent him every time i watch it now i'm like yeah yeah this captain is in love with saying that the world doesn't want heroes anymore i don't get that i don't understand what they were trying to say if that was a political message or what i i never got it i never got it but he just kept saying the world doesn't want heroes anymore and i'm like what uh yeah so this is when max decides to take a vic he's done and he's going to go uh, get in his station wagon with his wife and kid. And they're going to drive across Australia and just chill. Just going on a holiday. Yeah. This is when the story like kind of like gets more engaged with. Well, OK, maybe not engaged. It has more of a direction. Uh, I would say for the first like 45 minutes of this film, it's not like you can see George Miller and his his uh, fellow creator uh, was a James mccasland or whatever and uh brian kennedy like they didn't quite they they had a great story but they didn't quite know how to get it in direction you could see it right after goose dies this is george miller this is like the modern day george miller too you could just see this movie there's no fat everything is cut off we're going he's driving around they get you know like his wife gets basically he she was going to get raped by the gang now Chris would argue that because, you know, he's a lawyer, but something bad was going to happen and they escape. And that I fucking love that they take that guy's hand off with the the handcuffs. Yeah, it's the hook stuck to the car. Yeah. You don't even he throws that chain and you just see him tumble away. Yeah, and we see that like the mechanic is working with the gang. But then we get a cop who's <laughs> this cop is so fucking hilarious. He's just like, "Well, we got a hand, but we don't have a body." nobody's claiming it yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then they they go to a farm now i don't know if they had this planned or they just stopped in a farm i didn't really catch that in the movie but we get uh toe cutter and the gang comes to the farm 
you know, to just be assholes and kill and main. But I got right. I got toe cutter up here and like just actually, you know what? I have not checked if this is an actual scene with his actual voice. So we're all going to find out together. Is toe cutter talking with his real voice here? You've not got a sense of humor. Pretty face, though. I suppose you don't need a sense of humor with a pretty face. The only trouble is, though, Missy, if you should lose the face. Please don't hurt my baby. You've got nothing. What do you want from me? Don't change the subject. Oh, I was right there. Ah! Ah, I hate them. Old lady. Stand back. Stay back. Woman. Anyway, uh, so you heard the old lady there, and she's spectacular. And this clip was actual real, uh, their real accents, which is fantastic. That's the first time I've heard it. I've never heard it either. This was like, holy shit, I have heard the ADR the whole time. The yeah. ADR is not bad then. Like, oh, you know, it is too. It's well, so I didn't bad. notice. I've watched it like 40 times. Have I noticed it was ADR this whole time? Well, that's because you're a lawyer in your heart. Okay? But did you notice the guy that's been crawling around on the wall in that scene? Like every time he's like in a Spider-Man pose on there. When they were doing <laughs> yes. that, he was crucified. He was just Oh, there. I missed that. Yeah, he's just been moving around on that wall all weird on that window. Well, then they run. Uh, and then oh man, this is when Man Max is created because they just run down the wife and kid, kill the kid, and put the wife in a coma. You could really see Mel Gibson like really delivering it here, how he runs at them and he doesn't do the initial like he kind of like absorbs it as a and character and then runs. Yeah. And then just flips out. Cause he's, this is where, where George Miller explained. This is where Mad Max is originally created. His soul's gone. He doesn't care about humanity. He only cares about revenge. And then he fucking goes on a revenge tour. The last like 28 minutes. I think I timed it. 28 minutes of this film is fucking intense. Yeah. He goes and steals the interceptor. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it fucking just runs down motorcycles. And then that one fucking stunt where the the bike, the front bike tire hits that dude in the head and they're like, he was fine. And it was such a good shot. We weren't going to take it out. And I'm like, oh, man, you could only happen in the set. This could only happen in the 70s, man. <laughs> yeah, you just blasted with it. I can't believe he and they said too. They're like, no, he was fine. He just got up and walked away, just fine. Yeah, probably and went and he, grabbed like, another beer. Yeah, he went, walked away, and then prepared for the next shot, which was going to be hours because that was one of the biggest complaints by actors and, and especially stuntmen. They're like, this director has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't get enough shots in the day. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he doesn't, you know. And there was a lot of complaints, and George Miller almost quit filmmaking because he's like. It felt like everyone was fighting against me. And this is what happens when a visionary isn't a director yet. Like he had the vision. He knew how to get it on camera, but he had no idea how to direct. And he especially didn't at the time have the people around him to make sure he stayed on schedule. I mean, he dramatically changes, though, from this to Road Warrior. Like he gets we'll talk about it, but it's just a different George Miller at that time. But even still, like, I can't believe how fucking good this film is. It, it's 
I I think it's great. The action's really, really good. And then other parts where it needs to be slow and impactful. Like when he sees Goose, Goose's hand falls and he just leaves and he's like, that's not Goose. That's not Goose. It's like as he, as he's walking up and all the cops are telling him not to go in there and to go away. Yeah, I would say this movie is like all these movies that George Miller does. I would say they're so efficient. Like Steve, mm-hmm. you're saying, oh, there's no fat on these. They just keep the go. And it's like you were saying, Chris, too. It's like when they need to slow down, they slow down. But then when they need to pick up, they just do it. And there's like they're so they're paced so well. When it comes to all the Mad Max films, this is the one with the most amount of fat, but it still doesn't have a ton of fat. Like the other one, you just see he cuts it off and then perfects it with Fury Road. I th- I think with the slow scenes, like you're meant to see something. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's there to show you something so you have time to look at the screen and not just watch a car go flying through. Yeah, I think he just he learned how to do it so well. I mean, even though I'm not saying that there were giant mistakes on this i'm just saying like you could see like you can see through the the four mad max films his like genius processing it him and his editor team that he worked with and everything and how it's just like evolves like i i know there's a lot of a lot of people have a lot of problems with mad max 3 beyond thunderdome and we'll talk about that when we get to it but like either way man he just doesn't have a lot of fat on these films they're fucking go 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 and they're so enjoyable because of that but they're also not like the hundred cuts in one minute like michael bay do you know what i mean like they're go 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 without being obnoxious it flows real well everything does yeah and he just adds extra i mean i still love it that the camera speeds up to show the cars moving faster (laughs) (laughs) i just think that's great and then the shitty effects with the radio shack like all the electronics yeah. in the cars or radio shack and stuff it's just i love it i was gonna say yeah definitely this definitely inspired inspired michael bay but uh, i know it's cool to shit on michael bay but i like michael bay so you can shit on me instead it's cool to shit on armageddon but i still fucking <laughs> love it i like some of his movies and i've seen every transformer some of them are just are really slow other than that they're fun what they're there for you don't want to get into the Bay, the Bay verse, the Bay Transformer verse, whatever. Because man, those those people are hardcore. Are they the people who love them and the people who hate them are super hardcore? It's big robots that blow shit up. Like, what's there to be a hardcore about? There's a lot of people with not a lot of real things to worry about. <laughs> oh, all right. all right, I got it, I got it, I yeah, got it. So, uh, Mad Max gets caught in the trap, and I can't say. Uh, Mel Gibson's physical acting really comes out here when he's like limping towards his vehicle to get back into the car to get toe cutter. That was great. And I also love how it tells so much about Johnny, the character, because he's like, I'm not getting into this fight. I'm getting the fuck out of here and runs away. (laughs) They find him later. Uh, Let's talk about toe cutter getting smashed by a goddamn 18 wheeler. Woo! You notice that his eyes bulge out right before he gets hit. And I was, I always thought it was a mistake. Apparently it's intentional. Like that, it was meant to do that. I just thought whatever they were using kind of goofed up. No, it was just a prosthetic that looked goofy as fuck. That's a real truck hitting a real vehicle. Yeah, they paid the guy $50. So he's like, no, fuck, no, I ain't running nothing over with this. So <laughs> they, he made them put a piece of like steel in the front with lights on it. So it could smash through it and it still looked like it was just there. Dude, it decimated it. It just goes. Everything in this just blows up when it gets hit. 
Yeah, and this is before he actually got like the military involved like he did in Mad Max 2. This is like shit that, you know, like, you know, whatever people they had hired that could do it. Like this isn't military involvement, so it's pretty impressive. What what I love, the ending of this film is just like the cherry on top. Mwah! Is he chases down Johnny. And this is straight out of Saul or something. And he like puts, you know, all the gases leaking from Johnny's wrecked vehicle. And he puts like, uh, I don't know, like a. That's somebody else's vehicle. Well, yeah, like Johnny's like, it, he's right? already dead. I just found him this way. He was already dead. Ah, that's right. You can't blame me for stealing the dead man's boots. And he puts like a match or a flame or whatever it is that will like eventually run down and hit the gas and explode. And then he, he like puts his leg attached to the vehicle and he goes, now he has a bone saw. Now you could saw through that pipe in about 20 minutes, but if you're lucky, you could saw through your leg in about like five minutes. And then he walks off and like one minute later, the bomb explodes. It was a total setup. It's like, fuck you, Johnny. I hope you die. <laughs> and it, then it just ends. That's it. Yeah. Great. Wish more movies did that. Yeah, there's, I mean, what happy ending are you going to tell? His wife and child are dead. His best friend's dead. Like, there's no happy ending. He got revenge, and that's fucking it. Well, this is kind of like a, a dystopian film that, like, uh, the artsy-fartsy people can appreciate because it's, it's so slimmed down. Uh, the dialogue is, everything is meant for something. You don't have a happy ending. You know what I mean? And then you can also, like, the flag humpers out there, they'd be like, yeah, that's how a real man fucking takes care of business. You know, like, this is such a, like, a film that brings people together, really. <laughs> Liberals and conservatives can fucking enjoy this film. I'm telling We're holding you. hands, watching this movie, just drinking the Bud Light, enjoying this movie. I mean, I did watch it with my dad, so yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. It brings people together. Now, you got to remember, some of those people are going to be drinking Bud because they ain't going to be drinking no Bud Light, damn it. We buy Bud Light just to shoot it. Just to show Budweiser we mean business. <laughs> yeah, Brad switched. He's doing the Bush Light now. Yeah, give it to Anheuser-Busch. Switch to Bush. <laughs> Which I think is still produced by them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, don't worry, conservatives. We like like some of you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I might, I might cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we rip on liberals a lot too, though. So. It's true. Actually, I went to Chat GPT and uh, I am Chat GPT, and I have replaced Brad as host. Did you see that first <laughs> scene where the couple were engaging in sexual intercourse, and the main first patrol officer was peeping on them with his rifle scope? That was funny. Ha ha. <laughs> yep, accurate. Wow, you sound exactly like Brad. What was going on with that, though? The, who was, first off, who would do that? And who was banging? And why was the guy peeping on him with his rifle scope? I thought he was going to shoot him at first. He's just highway patrol. He's bored. Yeah. He's bored. You see some people banging, you you got you to gotta watch the apocalypse, man. They're making babies to make more people. I'm actually more interested in your next note. Is this real? Yeah, ChatGPT claimed the feral kid was in this movie. So, oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. That's all chat GPT. We got some problems this. there. Yeah. Um, no, the other parts, though, like the, the vehicles, though, were like designed and built by Australian car enthusiasts using scrap metals and other materials. I've met Australians in real world. They're like the nicest people you're ever going to meet. But in this movie, they're total bastards. We got who fixes all these cars? 
they keep wrecking these cars. Who's fixed? Where are they getting the parts for these things? And then they they, get, they got a tire guy. They got a tire guy. Where do they keep getting tires? They're running out of this. They got societies collapsing. Who's paying for these roads that are just in impeccably nice, but you know, condition here? I, we took a note about how the extras were getting paid in beer. It doesn't snow there, Brad. Oh, no salt on the roads. Oh, that helps a lot. Okay, okay, okay. I just haven't lived very long. <laughs> but but uh, that was actually something brought up in the commentary is they said that like basically the roads were treated like gold. But they never actually put that in any of the films. No, and they just crashed a whole bunch of cars on it at all times. I do love yeah. the line where he said it's called a white line nightmare. The roads are. Was- yeah, that's pretty cool. And lastly, I wrote a note here. Like, we need a Will Smith, Mel Gibson, Army Hammer buddy action movie. <laughs> oh man i don't i don't I think i do very well <laughs> i mean Mil, i mean will smith just slapped a guy mel gibson though he if it's like a, a a draft for people with bigoted viewpoints i mean mel gibson he's got the anti-semitism he's got the racism he's got the homophobia he's got the transphobia and he's also a habitual drunk driver so i mean we got like if he's not top of your board, you know, Tucker Carlson's got some extra time on his hands. Maybe he could uh, support this and uh, he could produce it. Yeah, we get this thing going. Yeah. Let's go. Come on, Tucker. That's what sucks. I love Mel Gibson as an actor. Like, he's good. He's great. I like, every fucking yeah. movie I've ever seen of him. And then all that came to light. And I was like, I still love Mad Max and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Army Hammer just wants to eat people. That's so. Apart from that, he's a good citizen. All right. Recommendations. I think it's obvious it's a clean sweep, right? Yeah. All right, let's move on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle and bring something back to our Mad Max wing of the museum, sort of Mel Gibson, because we've done a lot of Mel Gibson films with the Lethal Weapon review that we did and Maverick. But let's look at our Mad Max wing. Brad, I'll let you go first. The weirdest, most lovable motorcycle gang of all time. I can't argue that. Uh, Any specific motorcycle gang member? Now that I think about it, the guy's waltzing when they roll into town. I did not expect that. I did not expect that. Yeah, it's the guy that lost his arm and then some other dude. I can't remember which one that is. All right, Chris, how about you? What do you put in the museum? It's kind of the same thing. I just want to go with Toe Cutter. Like, okay. they're so good. Oh, he is good. That is a that is a great performance. They come up on the beach, the, the wife and kid. He just sits straight up, throws his legs at like a 90 degree angle and just sits up. And he's like, oh. and uh, I'm taking grandma. Grandma does <laughs> not yeah. care. She's just hanging out, making cookies for the bike gang now. Grandma's got a two-barrel shotgun, has no chance of ever holding that thing after it blasts, and she, she doesn't care. She's taking on that motorcycle gig, and when she does fire at them on the road, like, man, she just, like, flings back. And I'm like, did they really give her a loaded shotgun? Like, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but she's great. And uh, I would say my second is Goose. I really liked Goose. I, I liked his fire and passion. This is the only Goose that matters. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, there can only be one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. You fucking pickleball lawyer loving son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't you ever put down Goose from Top Gun again. 
when we get together, maybe we can watch Top Gun and I won't hate it. Or I'll point out how homoerotic it is to you guys the whole time. I think we already pointed it. That's why we like it. It's the gayest film ever made. Like, there's a lot of kids from the 80s who figured out they were gay because they watched Top Gun. And that's okay. We skipped over all this. We've been into so many leather and dudes living in houses Because I wanted to save it for the second movie. (laughs) Nobody listens this far. It's fine. Check out our social media. We got an Instagram and a Facebook group. All right. (laughs) And remember to be kind. And rewind. rewind.